everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Turban Thinker. And today I'm joined by the very chic, very beautiful, and very elegant award-winning Saudi designer, Afet Dabar. So Afet is known very much for her luxurious, handcrafted modern abayas. And I tell you guys, unless you've bought one and tried one on, you will not understand the difference between her abaya compared to anything else. Every piece she designs is created with the intention of making women not only feel good, but feel beautiful and that extra bit of confidence that everybody needs, especially in today's time. Effa's vision is very much about enriching women's lives with their beauty and empowering them and drawing on their strength from their femininity. So Effa, it's so great to have you here. I'm glad that we finally connected after such a long time. I know it's been too long and it's really a pleasure to be here with you and participate in this podcast. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to have you here. We've known each other for a very long time. So before we get into that part, tell us a little bit about your journey, you know, how this all started for you. I mean, um, since I was very young, I've always had an appreciation for beauty. Um, I mean, I was uh, blessed to um, have a role model with my mother and grandmother. Uh, they're both very elegant, very well-dressed women, and they appreciated, you know, quality. Um, they were definitely uh, not uh, into fast fashion, so they would buy less, but buy really, you know, beautifully made pieces. And I think that's something that always stuck with me. Um, so I decided to study fashion. Um, and I studied, in, uh, at the time it was called the Surrey Institute of Art and Design in the UK. I got my degree. And then um, I moved to Dubai and I wanted to, to uh, work in fashion. But at the time, uh, there wasn't really much of an industry. It was just, a, you know, a few um, couture houses uh, that really you could, you know, count on one hand. And um, so I decided, you know what, I wanted to get some experience working with bigger brands. And I worked as a brand manager um, for the Middle East region um, with many like international brands. Some of the brands that I worked closely with were Christian Lacroix, um, Valentino, Ongaro, John Galliano, um, Paul Smith. Van. So, I so that's had... a great learning. I mean, that's a wonderful foundation to sort of get your head around brand, brand experience, you know, the, the elegance and luxury of detailing. So you must have learned a lot. Absolutely. And to be perfectly honest, what I learned in those six years of um, work experience, um, I think it benefited me. Uh, a lot more than what I learned in university. I mean, obviously, I learned the basics of designing and, you know, tailoring and all of those things in, in university. But in terms of, like, preparing me for, you know, starting my own business, um, the experience I had was, like, really invaluable. Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, it's something that isn't to be taken lightly. And, you know, that's obviously, again, actually how we met. But, you know, having these sort of, experiences and understanding the industry before because a lot of students when you're in university you know you're living in sort of this bubble and you think the world is you know easy you don't nobody really tells you how challenging it is to you know get, get out in the real world you know create a brand definitely when there's so much noise and competition nobody explains to you 
specifically on the commercial side or, you know, as a creative, you think you're going to go out, you're going to make these really beautiful things and everybody's going to come flocking to your door, you know, but that's not the case. Definitely. So let, talk to me about the challenges you face, you know, as a new brand, when you, after you gain that experience from international brands, you know, how, when you came into the scene of your first collections, what were the challenges that you faced? And then very much, what were the lessons that you learned from those? I mean, um, definitely uh, one of the challenges that I faced um, because I started uh, the brand in Dubai, there wasn't an established industry at the time. Um, so as I said, few uh, couture houses mainly doing like um, wedding gowns and uh, evening So when gowns. was this, Effa? What year was uh, this are we talking? 2007. That's yeah, well, there you go. I mean, that was a very different. It was a lot was happening. It was all happening but yes absolutely okay and, and then there was no um although i had a really strong um foundation uh in terms of like brand management understanding branding working uh understanding how the industry works i didn't have a very strong experience in actually like running a brand and sampling and production and all of those things so i kind of had to learn it as i went along and yes. one of the, the biggest uh, things that I'm grateful for is that I really started small because that allowed me to learn as I was going along. It allowed me to make mistakes without having those mistakes cost me my business because, you know. Um, it's very it's, easy, isn't it? It's very easy yeah. and very quick to think that you need to start big, put all your money into it, and then fast forward. You've not done a particularly great job and we see that so much don't we Effa? I mean certainly over the so many years as we've coached all these designers and mentored them you see the ones that have managed to become really sustainable um, brands that have become successful and those that sort of appear for one season two or three seasons and then they fizzle out because it is very difficult it's very difficult financially it's a stress you know there's so much that goes into it absolutely absolutely um, yeah and there is um, sorry, I mean, I, what I was going to say is that there is a very fast turnaround. And I think that's one of um, the big reasons is that people, they, they want to start big and they want to you spend a lot of money on marketing and they want to have, you know, a physical store and they have all these like extremely high overheads to start with. And it's just not sustainable. No, of course. And they don't, you know, one thing I think a lot of the new designers certainly or new brands that are launching, they never take into and, and, and that's right, because you have a lot of self-belief and you think you have that USP. They don't really ever consider the competition, whether there is a huge amount of competition or not. And certainly these days, I mean, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of different designers and all of them very talented. So you do, you have these big expectations and then it is very disappointing, you know, when you don't don't sort of achieve that. It's not 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 great for your confidence either. So what would you have done differently when you look back? Because you have, you know, obviously you've done some great successes and have a lot of learning. So what would one thing be or two or three? Um, I think uh, I, it's always a tough decision um, as a creative person to decide what you, to put your, uh, what to invest your time and your energy and your creativity in. And um, I did, because I was, you know, 
I always love creating new things. I always love new challenges. I diversified too much uh, at a too early stage in the business. And I think that that actually, um, it backfired in a way because I uh, what I needed to have done now in retrospect was to focus really on my core business on my bread and butter and make that absolutely strong and solid before diversifying into um, other types of product categories. I was doing luxury kids wear for a while. I was doing evening wear. Um, you know, I, I, I even did some like uh, jewelry collaborations. I, you know, it was just it, yeah. it was too much. Um, and with all of that, although, you know, even though it was very, creatively fulfilling um my resources uh, were spread out too thin and i wasn't giving enough attention to what is really my core business and um and i think we'll get into that in one of the, the next questions but yeah i mean i think that's a fantastic fantastic advice because if anything you know these designers and brands should learn is that absolute focus and that niche and you have to really work hard to establish that one core thing that really makes you unique absolutely because try and, and it is difficult because you know creatives thrive off being creative they thrive off this constant desire to want to diversify and go into different things and it is very challenging to sort of have that focus but then when you look at all the global brands, you know, throughout the world and the iconic brands, they're all very much focused about one message, one core category, one thing that they're really very well known for. So, I mean, so that's excellent advice. And um, it's been interesting because obviously I met you around 2014, so almost six years ago, which is ridiculous how time flies. Mm -hmm. And and sort of been your mentor for all these years and watching your journey and that exact evolution that you said, you know, going from your core, then diversifying, then going back to core. And it's been really interesting to watch that. And of course, very inspiring. So my main question is, how important do you think it is to have a mentor? Um, I think it's, it, it's obviously, I feel blessed uh, to have to have you to have someone that I can go to for advice if I need to, even though we're not necessarily, you know, doing it on a on a very very regular basis. But yeah, um, obviously, um, when you have a mentor, that person offers you um, support in terms of you know um, the wealth of experience that they have, um, and they can and and they can give you objective advice as an outsider, which I think very often when you're a business uh, person and especially um, when you're the only uh, person in the business, like, I mean, you're the only owner, you don't have a partner, uh, then you tend to kind of like be always looking at things from your own perspective and uh, you don't necessarily have someone that you can bounce off ideas with um, or that you can, you know, uh, someone that is, going to be able to provide you that kind of objective um, advice or even if they don't advise you necessarily they can help you see things from a different uh, point of view so that you can you know know what's the right path for you and what's the right strategy to take and um, what are the best um, ways to move forward exactly I mean I think what's interesting in mentorship is and I'm always saying it's not 
always and doesn't always have to be a physical person you know for me certainly in my career you know some of my mentors have been my inspirational you know heroes in the business that I've stood you know quietly and observed from a distance and but they still I still learned and watched and saw you know and of course so that combination of having that definite support someone there that you can bounce off ideas that does guide you is is a great great asset and even if you don't have that is if you provide yourself with one or two key figures that you can sort of look towards because with the power of google and everything that's out there it's it's you know so easy also to kind of understand brands and their journeys and their mistakes and especially today when we see so many brands that were successful that are now you know unfortunately shutting shop after so many years there's a lot of learning and i think the key message here is definitely get a mentor, definitely have someone that if you're lucky to be able to have that time with and to advise you and but also, you know, never stop learning and never stop sort of reading about everything that's going on around you right now and learning from the, you know, mistakes and successes of all these different brands and businesses. So so Effa, on your ambition, because I know you're, you know, incredibly ambitious and Right now, your brand has been predominantly in the GCC. And so what are your ambitions for your brand? Do you see it? Do you want to take it international one day? You know, what sort of in your mind? I think if you asked me this question five or six years ago, you would have got a completely different answer because my focus was really on, you know, going global, international. I really wanted to, you know, be known and have a presence. And I think uh, that was one of the reasons why I did move into ready to wear um, at that early stage when I wasn't, uh, when when I think it wasn't the ideal time for my business to diversify, uh, because I felt that that was what I I needed to do in order to be able to present a product that would be um, uh, you know, easy to credible. To that would be yeah. credible. You you feel this yeah. pressure of if I'm going to you know if I reach international doors, then somehow that gives me credibility and strengthens my sort of brand positioning. I think at the time when you were doing that, that's very much the focus, isn't it? Yes, definitely. Because you know, and you see a lot of designers. You know, they they get approached. I mean, one of my my, I've never had like runway um, uh, being one of my strategies. You know, I do my marketing much more through like you know really nice photo shoots and um, and other forms of marketing. I've I've never really seen a, a great importance in you know in doing a, a runway show or participating in a runway show. Well, it's a huge season. cost, isn't it? It's a huge it's, cost. It's a huge cost, but you see a lot of brands are just starting up and they get you know, approached by one of these commercial fashion yes. leaks, you know, yeah. that, you know, the off, off uh, schedule, not the official fashion leaks. And, you know, just so that they can, they pay huge amounts of money just so they can say, oh, I showed during London Fashion Week, even though it wasn't London, part of yes. the official London Fashion Week. Just because of that kind of um, prestige associated with oh you know my piece has been shown in London or I've shown it in Paris and I've shown it in New York and I've had those opportunities and I and I've had the opportunity even to be in um in in the official New York Fashion Week 
but it was just when I when I um, studied the opportunity, the amount of investment and time and effort um, that needed to be sustained really at least across a period of like two years in order to, to reap any like actual benefits uh, was it didn't make sense for my business at that time. And then um, I think uh, speaking to you actually helped me realize that, okay, you know, why am I jumping to be known in London or to be known in New York or to be known in Paris when, you know, I still have so much more opportunity to... Uh, and your doorstep, right? I mean, that's yeah, the thing, exactly. I think. And that, like I said, I mean, there is this this pressure for, you know, the Middle East designers or regional designers to always want to go international um, because there is that, you know, relationship with if I get to be seen internationally, then if I come back into my own region, I get that respect and credibility. Why, why do you think, first of all, it is challenging for designers to break into the international circuit? And why do you think there is that desperate desire to have to go out in order to come back? So it's two questions. Why do you think it's difficult for Middle East designers to go international or, and why do you think they put this pressure on themselves? I think it's uh, to go international as a Middle Eastern designer, it, it really depends also on what your product category is. I mean, if I was doing Western ready to wear you are basically competing with hundreds of thousands of brands worldwide. Um, and unless you have something that is like so exceptional um, and your brand is so strong and so unique and you're coming into the market at the right time and you have, you know, uh, the right production and all of these factors that are needed to make it successful, it's very, very challenging. Um, and actually, when I did show in Paris uh, Fashion Week um, uh, during one of the trade exhibitions, I, I was very surprised. I went there and most of the interest in the orders was actually from the Middle East. So it kind of was like, so I had to come to Paris to yeah, so that you can get the orders from the region. Order from someone whose office is ten minutes away from me in Dubai. Wow. So, yeah. it, you know, it just was. It was kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that cost a lot. Yeah, it cost a lot. But if I hadn't been there, they wouldn't have taken me so seriously. And I think uh, part of the reason why that is, and part of the reason why people, you know designers they want to go and be recognized in the west is because i mean showing there doesn't mean that you're recognized or successful in any way it just takes money basically but um to be successful there it means that you have kind of um reached the standard of uh that is going internationally um, and so that I do feel does have its value, but just going and showing and saying, oh, because I've showed in an exhibition in Paris or I've done a runway show in London, I don't feel um, other than like public perception in terms of PR, I don't feel that really has any added value uh, to you as a brand. Uh, but perception wise, maybe 
some people see it that way. Um, so I don't know, did I answer the second question? You did, you did answer it. And I think, you know, that like you said, there is value to have that international, let's say, experience and to have that reach. But at the end of the day, like you also said, it is important to strengthen your reputation and your brand also within your doorstep. So you originally started, you originally, when we met, you were sort of launching your ready-to-wear brand. And like you said in you know the earlier questions, um, and sort of moved away from your focus on the core abayas. And now for the last few years, you've now come back to your core business. And I guess you sort of answered that in the beginning, but and very briefly, I mean, why was that? Why did you go back to your core? It was uh, honestly purely a business decision uh, because I realized that I was putting so much time, energy and resources into something, uh, that, building something new, which was actually in turn making me kind of neglect what was my core business and not put enough time creative energy and resources into that. So let's talk about, you know, the, obviously the current situation and how it's affected. How do you see that affect yourself, you know, personally and definitely professionally? I mean, actually, you, wanna, you were one of the first uh, designers to trade online. And that was fantastic, which you started, you know, a number of years ago. And now yeah. everybody's focused online. And the great thing is you had that speed and that intelligence to know back then that you needed to be on that platform. But how do you see equally you have a physical store as well? And with this current change, uh, you know, we started the conversation before we did the podcast on you're very optimistic. So talk to us about how you see the current circumstances influence your future thinking? Um, yes, I mean, I... I first launched my online store in 2013 um, and it was never really my core business and I never really you know had a team managing it or really put that much focus onto it because I've always had a retail store uh, well since at least 2011 I've had a retail store um, so my my core was was always you know um, on on brick and mortar and i always uh, paid a lot of uh, Im uh, importance to the whole shopping experience having you know very good customer service having a beautiful environment where people can you know browse and the product is presented in the most beautiful way uh, spacious fitting rooms uh, after sales service so all of that um was more my focus but I always knew that there were people who didn't have physical access to my store, so I wanted to have the online for them. So uh, when uh, this um, COVID crisis happened, uh, and actually we had to close our physical store for a month, but even prior to that and after that, you know, there was very, very little footfall because basically people were too scared to go to the mall. Um, and um, so obviously we were definitely affected um, because a lot of our customers are still used to coming in physically and they want to touch the product and try it on and feel it. Um, but I did take the opportunity to upgrade my online store because, you know, it, it had, um, you know, it was due for an upgrade, but it wasn't something that I had really given uh, as much attention to. And, uh, 
the next step, which I'm considering doing also is to uh, create an app as well to facilitate, you know, the, um, the online uh, shopping experience and make it just much more seamless. So and it's, it's definitely going to be one of your main focuses then. I think that's. Yes. Uh, I think um, in every situation, uh, every challenge every crisis i mean i don't think anyone has seen something a crisis of this global you know level in our lifetime so this is something definitely new it's affecting everybody there's no one that's kind of um there's no one exempt from there's this. No one exempt. All, yeah yeah so um that made me think about okay you know how can I navigate this how can I still continue to maintain my business how can I still service my clients and um, for me it was just a no-brainer I just said you know what now's the time upgrade online store and we worked really intensely on it for three weeks and then it was up and running, um, much more user friendly. And um, uh, we're also like, you know, working more on online marketing, which is something that I didn't really uh, invest a lot in. Um, uh, so it's definitely opened my eyes to that. And I think um, with my product category, uh, because I'm in the luxury or the accessible luxury category and price point, it is um, much harder for people who haven't experienced the brand before to go and take that step and make that purchase online. Uh, so um, that's why it's important for you to have that, you know, ability to translate all of those details and the you know the process and the quality and how you manufacture and how you create your collections becomes very much a part it's not just simply having an e-com site where you navigate and click and purchase now that you know you have to go the extra mile and always create that additional you know brand experience so so talk to us about your current collections Effa. what are you working on now uh now, I mean, the most recent thing I did uh, was uh, uh, the face masks, non-medical face masks. Uh, you I, and 3,455 million other people on the planet. But talk <laughs> to us why yours is very different to everybody else's. Well, actually, <laughs> um, actually, we were one of the first to do it here by, you know, locally in Dubai, like for a designer to do it. I honestly wanted to do it. Um, it was never something that I thought about to make money out of. It was more um, a service to my clients. So uh, when we launched it, we launched it as a gift with purchase. So yes, I saw gift. that. And actually, that's very, very smart. You know, I did like that because it was obviously not just a money making, you know, scheme. It no, was very something. Yeah. And it never will be, you know. So No, of course it's not it's not about that for me um it's more about you know me stepping out of the house and uh wearing a really nice elegant abaya and then having this face mask on that's just so ugly and so uncomfortable and hard to breathe in and so i was like you know what this is not making me feel any better about the current situation yeah um, and so um I said, why not? Why not 
at least you know if if I can lift people's spirits by making them you know at least feel a little bit better that they you know that they yeah. look you know uh, more presentable when they go out um then that's kind of my little contribution yes. to my life in a way to exactly I mean, you know, you do make very beautiful things. So I think that's a, a very smart move, like you said. And so before we wrap up, because we definitely can, you know, go on for much longer, I just would love to have a few words to the designers out there and the young brands that are listening and perhaps, you know, just now stepping into the world of creating their own businesses. So how would you like to leave them inspired and empowered and motivated? Um, I think always try to have a positive outlook um always uh do your best you know in in islam there's uh something called ikhlas and itqan so when you uh, i don't know exactly how to translate it but when you work with you know intention yes and, and your intention is to produce the absolute best thing that you can possibly produce um, you know, at a at a fair price, and you're doing something um, really to your absolute best before you present it to the customer. I think that is the most important thing. And if you always have that, that's mindset, called integrity, right? That's the word I think. The integrity in what you do. Uh, yes, and and it also comes from taking pride you know i have my name on my product i cannot live with myself having my name on a product that i'm not satisfied with it yeah. doesn't live up to my standards so that's one thing um and in terms of business you know the sooner you can figure out your brand dna and your brand identity that's very important it was a, a learning curve for me um and you helped me a lot with that um, kind of like fine-tuning the brand DNA. Um, and start small and slowly, gradually build it up. You know, I, when I, my first collection was a sellout. Uh, my third collection was a flop. And so if I had invested really big and I just done one collection which you know i just chosen the wrong fabric that customers in the market don't like and i've done my whole collection out of it then if i was you know if i had a business with a lot of investment a lot of overhead then that one can one collection could put me out of business but because i started small i had it gave me the the freedom and the opportunity to make those mistakes and you need to make the mistakes because every single mistake that you make is going to bring you closer and it's going to fine tune um, what your brand is really about and it's going to make you more focused. Well, I mean, um, you're obviously a fair, you know, a great example for that. You're a fantastic brand ambassador and, you know, always inspiring. And inshallah, your brand continues to go from strength to strength. And we look Thank forward you. to seeing all your amazing collections. And so where do we go and shop online? What's your online? The online store is www.effa.fm. Uh, 